Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 234. We're quickly approaching the middle of the year, which signals that time to call the accountant. So today's episode, we're very happy to be joined by an expert, John Gibson, who's Chief Financial Officer and Director of ProAdvice, to talk us through what tax concessions are available, changes to the asset write-off and other considerations for end of financial year, like interest rates, succession planning and business structure reviews. Before we jump into the episode, here's a few highlights from the market this week. For the grain market, the war in Ukraine took another nasty turn with the Russians allegedly blowing up a major hydroelectric dam. The weather has also been at the forefront of a lot of price moves across ag commodity markets this week. The US Midwest, which is the heart of corn and bean regions, has been dry after getting their crops in early, and now there are doubts over yields. Despite all this news, and that 30% of the Chinese crop is underwater, like we mentioned last week, there was very little movement in the grain futures market, but all eyes will be on the USDA WASDE report, which will be coming out this weekend. Looking a little closer to home, ABES released their June crop report, and the headline numbers were that the total winter crop hectares for the current season are down about 3% from last year, but still 6% above the 10-year average. So the area planted to wheat is forecast to have fallen 2% to 12.8 million hectares, with area planted to barley up 4% and area planted to canola down 11% year on year. But that's still the second largest area to canola on record, mind you. All in all, ABES is forecasting winter crop production to be down 34%, with all states really ranging from about 30 to 40% lower year on year. Now, finally, we also saw some pretty widespread rain this week, which has given many of those who received it a good confidence boost, encouraging producers to hold on to some stock if they aren't willing to meet the current market. That's it from me today. I'll hand over to Ethan Woolley and John Gibson. Enjoy the episode. So uh, thanks, Liv, and welcome everyone to another episode of Commodity Conversations. Uh, This week, Mercado team is joined by John Gibson. Director of Pro Advice. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Ethan. Good to be here. Glad to have you on. And it's an opportune time to have you on as we approach the end of financial year and our timing becomes critical, like all things in farming. So uh, we thought it best to reach out to yourself and talk to an expert to talk us through what end of financial year means for primary producers. Um, For those that may not be familiar with Pro Advice, John, would you be able to just tell us a bit more about the business and its involvement in agriculture and agribusiness? Absolutely. So I think Pro Advice, you know, it's been around for 20 odd years, a few different names, but it's been, you know, under the current name for 10 or 15 years. Um, it does, we specialise in looking after agricultural clients. We can cater for anyone, but we focus mainly on agriculture. Uh, we've got a team of accountants, uh, strategic agronomists and consultants who can walk you through estate planning, succession planning, you know, bank reviews all those type of things that farm management, that um, all those type of things that farmers need assistance with, basically. Uh, We focus strongly on family business. Uh, We'll definitely work with corporates because they've got families too, but uh, helping family business prosper is their motto. It used to be helping family business grow, but uh, we realised you can grow without being successful. So we've modified it a little bit. 
um, and you know basically the, the directors and owners all have families of their own um, and you know if we can all you know prosper our families while assisting other families do the same that's fantastic absolutely and uh, it's good to know that um that when I guess other farmers and other businesses are talking to you. They're talking to someone going through similar experiences. And I guess an experience that uh, everyone will be going through soon is tax time. So when it comes to tax planning, uh, when should producers start and, and what is needed to, to get going? Yeah, yeah, so generally, you know, if we're preparing for end of year, tax is a big part of it. So I like to think of it more as a preparation for end of financial year than just tax planning. But, you know, Tax is a trigger for the timing. The financial year ends in the middle of the year. For whatever reason it was, I can't remember now, but it wasn't a very good reason. It's not a calendar year. Um, and, you know, say you finish your March bass, it's probably a time to start thinking about it then. So um, if you can touch base with your, your accountant after you complete your March bass, it's probably a good time to book in a, a meeting. And in your experience, are, are producers ready to go around March if those Bass statements, or does it tend to be something that is there? There is a lag, or there's a, a bit of trepidation. Yeah, yeah. So those coming through. Your March bass generally doesn't get lodged until you know April, sometimes even May. So, um, generally, we like to give them time to reconcile a file up to as late as possible. So, end of April, even end of May. Um, probably going a little bit close end of May. Uh, you know, give us a forecast for the rest of the year. Make sure your budget and your actuals don't overlap because um, that can be disastrous. And then, you know, how much livestock or other commodities you're going to have hand, on hand at the end of the year. Um, gives us enough information to put together a profit estimate so we can start talking about how we handle that profit. And I guess... Some of the levers and strategies that are available to primary producers, they can be quite complex. Uh, what are some of the the tax concessions that should be top of mind for the primary producers and farmers that that you're speaking with or are listening? Yeah, and I'll try not to make it too complex. Uh, it's not overly exciting tax, I know. But <laughs> if we just walk through it, it might provide some value for some people here. Yeah, so, or most people, hopefully. So uh, if we look at primary production concessions, um, income averaging is the first one that springs to mind. So basically that allows you to average your income over a five-year period. Um, so, you know, it caters for, or the legislators have catered for the fact that you're going to have good years and bad years in agriculture. It's seasonal, it's up and down. So it allows you to flatten out income. Um, so... You can use a five-year average. Um, you can either go above it uh, and get an offset, which is good. So you get a bit of a tax reduction or you can go below it, your average over those years and get some what they call complementary tax, which we don't deem as complementary at all because you have to pay extra tax. Yeah, So it's it's a good tool. Um, you know, we use it, you know, for example, um, if you've got someone coming into a business through a trust, um, you can give them a couple of years of just a trickle just to get them in there. And then if you hit them with a, a big lump after that, um, it allows for a big offset. Um, so you can save tax um, that way. Um, I think the key is to just monitor those averages. Um, and if your average tax rate's above 25%, it's probably a good trigger to start looking at structures. 
And in terms of those, I guess, longer term averages, uh, we're currently transitioning away from a couple of bumper seasons where where production and, and revenues have been been at record highs as we're potentially entering a El Nino season where we're going to be potentially average or below average for production and, and, and revenue. What, what what are some of the things from a from a tax point of view that farmers should be mindful as we approach those lighter seasons? Yeah. And you know, on top of the um factors you just mentioned around climate, we've got interest rates are starting to push a little bit higher, input costs are going up. Um, commodity prices, as you guys know, are a little bit volatile at the moment and probably not as good as they've been over the last few years. So, you know, tax is it's a major part of the business, but it's not the whole business. But generally the approach from here I would recommend to most of my clients um, is more is a more conservative one. So um, you know, the big capex years um, and all the concessions are starting to wind back a little bit. Maybe it's time to hold off on the, the capex for a few years. You know, what are our strategies around farm management deposits? Have we got those, we've got heaps of those in if we have. Um, can we start winding them back a little bit to get that cash flow back into the business? And essentially, you know, not be dominant, but not be aiming too much for overall growth, um, just consolidating a little bit. So it's a conservative approach, but allows you to not be too aggressive and have a nice, um, you know, be prepared for when, the, you know, the things turn and we're up and running again in, in the good times, yeah. You mentioned it earlier, uh, cash flow. It's a it's a really key piece at the moment um, as the terms of trade are sort of pushing back on them. Um, so are there tools such as prepayments and other similar products available out there that farmers can potentially use to their advantage uh, this season and for the future? Absolutely. So it used to be back in the day, the prepay interest, which is probably not a great idea and the ATA wouldn't look too fantastic on it. But there's products out there now, and I won't mention names, but I reckon you know some of them, Ethan, that, you know, they allow you to well, spend the money now, get the tax deduction now, claim the GST now. Essentially, you're lending money, so you can get a little bit of interest on it. Um, and then, you know, you can go and get whatever you need from Nutrient or whoever it is. You can go and get it in next financial year, um, and you've already claimed the deduction in this year. So... It helps from that perspective. You're not looking for the cash next year. Locks you into one supply, but generally that's not too bad an issue. Um, so they're not a bad strategy at all. I guess in terms of a lot of the strategies that are in place or options that are in place for producers, are there, are there new things and new str strategies that um, farmers should be asking their accountants about? Yeah, from the primary production um, concessions, uh, not much really changed over the last few years. So they accelerated the the write-offs for fencing assets and fodder assets and water conservation in 2018, I think it was. But they generally, it's not very often they wind back a primary production concession just because it's not a popular decision with, um, you know, a major part of the population. So it's not a good political decision. There is, you know, there's changes in the small business capital gains concessions. Um, forecast and there's change in the asset write-off as well. So um, they will, you know, the the asset write-offs going to be twenty thousand from thirty June, which is a little bit different to the temporary fully expensing pretty much anything at the moment. 
Um, so keep in mind, so you, your tractors, your cedars, those assets that don't fall under sprayers, those assets that don't fall under the concessions I mentioned around fencing fodder water conservation. Um, if it costs more than 20000 or your turnover is more than $10 million, uh, you won't be able to write it off going forward as you can now. So, And the other thing is trust distributions are a big part of things for farmers. So um, there's a lot of talk about Section 100A and you know cash having to follow trust distributions and things. So make sure you have your chat to your advisor around that if you're operating a trust that's distributing profits um, across the family. And you mentioned family there. That's uh, another important thing to focus on in terms of the financial health of the business um, and I guess this time of year is a great opportunity to have a look at your options and think about the future or what are some of the other things that farmers should be considering around end of financial year? Uh, there's so many things I think interest rates we've we've just touched on them um, but they're something you know have a chat to your bank um, there's products out there now um, you can fix interest uh, there's things called step-down collar. If you don't know what that is, um, it sort of hedges your interest rates so they can't go too high without fixing them and can work quite well. So that, that's a chat to your banker. Your estate plan, so have a look at your wills. Uh, if they're if you're not comfortable with anything in them, you know, the executors are wrong, the kids are a bit older now, they could do that themselves, whatever it is, um, have a look at them, have a chat to your lawyer. Uh, succession planning's, you know, agriculture, you know, family business, succession planning is always at front of mind. So at the end of every year, if you can have a look at it, uh, succession planning is one of those things where if you, you touch on it a lot, things happen. Um, if you don't put it at front of mind, quite often it'll just sit there and nothing will happen. So, you know, if you can have a, a generational change and the next generation comes through thinking, what can I do for succession planning? And they start building off farm wealth or anything that, works towards succession you know splitting up assets uh, that's absolutely fantastic and i guess a, a key thing to to keep in mind with the the estate planning as well as succession planning is that we are approaching as an industry agriculture as an average age is one of the highest of all the industries in australia in terms of that succession planning is that some a conversation that's best had sooner rather than later, even if the plan is to not hand things over for 10, 15 years, is 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 sooner better than later, or can things change too much to have that conversation early? No, I think succession planning in a family farming business is is a perpetual thing. So as I just mentioned, you know, when the next generation takes over, if they can have succession in mind straight away. Um it leads to a, a better result for the entire family towards the end. So that's, you know, if you can revisit it at least once a year into financial year, uh, it's a pretty good start. You know, and if you're in the throes of it, well, obviously, there's going to be a whole lot more than once a year. As we wrap up today on commodity conversations, John, are there any other, I guess, top tips or anything to consider to get the most out of this time of year? You know, having a mind to getting your financial reports and tax returns done. So when do I book them in? When do I do them after I've tax planned? Um, you know, have you been reviewed by the bank lately? Um, quite often I see clients, uh, they basically just give the bank a nudge. And, you know, if their debt to equity ratios are a bit high, um, well, it's quite a successful nudge 
Um, and they go, well, why did I do that 12 months ago? Um, structure reviews, uh, it always pays to have a look at your structure at this time of year. Um, you know, I mentioned a trigger before, if your average tax rate's more than 25%, you should be looking at a corporate environment. Uh, there's lots of other triggers in succession and estate planning and other things that should be looked at with structure and, you know, asset protection, tax minimisation, all that flows through structure. So if you can review your structure every year to make sure it's still appropriate, more often than not, you won't change much. Let's not make a big complex mess. Um, but it's certainly it's something you should do uh, because there will be changes at some stage. Um, and, you know, exit plans for businesses is another thing that we should cover as well. Um, you know, succession plan has been mentioned. Obviously, there's going to be an exit plan in that, but whatever business you're in, um, if you're not going to succeed um, to the next generation, um, what's your plan to, to get out of the business when you want to retire, whatever the business is? Uh, it should be a, a solid plan to you know, get out of the business and have a nice, comfortable life after that. That's that's great advice because uh, we all want to make sure that uh, we're getting everything we can out of everything that we're doing. So uh, that's great advice. Again, John, Director of Pro Advice, thank you so much for your time today. It's greatly appreciated. And I wish you the best of luck for the coming month ahead and uh, a happy financial year at the end of it. Thanks so much for your time. No problems, Ethan. I hope people get some value out of that. 